Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Chat with Nat. I am Natasha O.M., your host for this podcast. As a female trauma survivor and a somatic trauma coach, I understand the healing journey can be overwhelming. I am here to guide you to release your emotional trauma through mind, body, and soul connection so you can finally be free and thrive in your life. My intention is to create a ripple effect of love, growth, and consciousness. This is a space where I will be sharing with you a combination of ancient and modern teachings to help you build resilience and move from pain to power. In this episode, we have Kartika Alexandra. She is the founder of Holistic Healing Hypnosis and Maja Healing in Bali. We actually connected through a mutual friend and I am so grateful how our paths have crossed. Kartika is an Indonesian with an international background. Her background is in psychology and she now specializes in hypnotherapy and holistic healing. She is trained in a variety of hypnotherapy modalities from teachers across the world and continuously expanding her knowledge. She doesn't only hold sessions for her clients, she also trains aspiring hypnotherapists. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to our conversation. Welcome Kartika, I am so happy to have you here and to talk with us um, about healing the subconscious. Now, before we get into anything else, since this podcast is called The Resilient Chat with Nat, I always ask all to all of the guest speakers, what is your resilient story? What makes you resilient? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in short, actually, what makes me resilient is having overcome and gone through my trauma and overcome my trauma. That is where I believe resilience lies, when you actually overcome your trauma. Um, those are the wounds that we keep open, the energetic, physical, emotional, mental. So overcoming that builds a resilience in itself. Yeah. So overcoming it, doing the work, that's resilience. And you build that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. It's the same for me. And I do believe that it is a journey, right? It's not like, okay, um, that's done. And now let's move on to other things. I think it's an everyday work kind of thing. Would you agree? Definitely. Absolutely. It actually never stops. And I know we want this to stop. We want to just have a break and then be able to enjoy. You get those periods, but then it starts back up and you go deeper and deeper. And I think this is something we end up realizing as we go into healing into overcoming our past and our pains and our suffering that it actually doesn't stop and this is part of life hmm. there's so much joy in actually doing that kind of work so not escaping it but going into it and there's so much joy in doing that kind of work yeah yeah yeah, yeah i find it really nice doing this kind of work myself as well um, i know though for at the beginning it's always scary right um, yes. Because there are so many things that you have to face. Um, not not scary. It's just um, difficult because I don't want people to be scared to start their journey. It's just um, usually you need to have those difficult conversations at the beginning. Yes, it is very actually it's very challenging and difficult. And the fear that comes up about facing it and what will you be facing? Mm. What does this mean about you? So you're 
basically having to change everything once you go into it. And that is quite overwhelming and, um, and scary. And then never mind being in the middle of it. Then afterwards, as you reintegrate, it's just, it's a whole process. Um, yeah. But it's absolutely worth it. So this actually brings me to um, another question that I would love to talk about. You know how we both truly believe that healing should be, I mean, healing trauma should be at the base of um, any kind of healing journey, right? And so let's talk a little bit how working with the subconscious mind would be so helpful in working through our trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a great, great point. Because um, the, the, I think the, the key thing to understand first is that our mind is loosely, we can say, separated into two different entities, the conscious and the subconscious. So most people don't realize this. And most people don't realize that these two minds do not work the same way in any way, shape, or form. I say this because people will learn the new techniques, cognitive ways of approaching things, uh, uh, controlling their thoughts, but they'll find they're still struggling with a lot of uh, reactions, perhaps, unwanted uh, attractions to maybe different foods, people, habits. And so they find they get a little bit frustrated with themselves. And this is because the mind is one being, let's say, but it's separated. When you look at only the conscious part, you're not really addressing it at the root. The root is actually in the subconscious component. Ideally, you have all of it, but the subconscious component is where you still have the trauma that is stored. What is the subconscious? It's, um, <laughs> this is a very big question, a very big yes. answer, but yeah, it holds your, uh, it runs your body, it runs your system, your heartbeat, your reactions, your nervous system. It also is where we can say your emotions and feelings are stored, or rather more your feelings are stored. And it, uh, it runs, I would say, 60 to 90% of you, depending on where you are in your awareness levels. And so we are driven by our subconscious. So when trauma happens to us, it locks into our body into our minds, into our emotions, into our patterns. And this is all subconscious. So why do we have to go into the subconscious? Because that is where we are running all of our programs from, where we're running our entire existence from, actually. Yeah. So looking into the subconscious, you're going to be looking into the root of the trauma, essentially. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And that leads to the big question. Where is the subconscious located? <laughs> mm -hmm. I love this. I love this. So depending on which kind of um, uh, approach you want to take. I, don't, I can't say that I have one specific approach. What I can say, what I've seen from my work, also from my teachers, I, had, uh, I have a wide-ranging wide amount of teachers, and they come from all kinds of modalities. The subconscious consists of your energy. So it can be the magnetic field of your heart. It can also be your energy body, which includes your meridian body, your chakra body. But for those who don't want to go into the energy world, it does consist of your body, your physical body too. What this means is that it's all around you, all within you. It's absolutely everything. And I would say that it's more predominant and stronger than your conscious mind. Now, if you look actually in the physical body, what you can see is that, this is from science, the um, conscious mind is largely driven or you can see it in, in science um being um you see the front prefrontal cortex get lit lit up whereas the subconscious component tends to be everything else the gray matter of the brain mm -hmm. 
and this is what's running everything else. So if you want to really localize it, you can say that it's, it's there and that the brain is actually the radio frequency of your subconscious mind running and operating at, of your whole mind actually, but the subconscious is in the gray matter and then the conscious is run by the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Yes. So if you, yeah, if you want to say it like that. But generally, if I work with clients, we're looking at the whole being. Hmm. So we're talking about the physical body, emotional body, mental body, all the bodies. Yeah, it's I a, agree. And I think that's why it is so important, right, to approach healing in a holistic manner. Yes. Hmm. Yes, indeed. And this is what's amazing about the world today is that everyone's aware now, okay, we are not just our physical body. We are not just this, this uh, bones and muscles. Hmm. We have other parts of ourselves that exist and we have to tap into that for deeper healing. And it's fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of work being done in well, Stanford is one of, one of them looking at the power of um, the holistic approach to healing and how much faster it takes place when you do approach it holistically. Body, yeah. mind, and emotions. I agree 100%. It was when I discovered the holistic healing path was I truly able to um, really work deeper through my trauma. Exactly, exactly. It's really helpful to approach the human in many different ways. If we only go through the body, we can only get so far. If we only go through the emotion, we can only get so far. If we only go through the cognitive approach, we can only get so far. And at different points of the trauma, you have to approach the person differently. And so sometimes you have to go into the body. So you can have a lot of trauma that makes you feel very angry as a client and you don't understand why. So you can do all the meditation you want, but you will have to at some point go into your physical body because all of your organs, especially your liver, your central nervous system, it's running on an overdrive. And we have to break down the trauma in the body. And this may be, mean body work. It may mean different things, a somatic release. We have to get to that at some point if you want to do yeah. it completely totally so yeah and then you have to maybe go back to the mind maybe go back to emotions yeah 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 that's exactly um how i how i approach it you know i'm i do believe that we have to work with the body first and then getting into the mind it's not to say like oh let's forget all about the mind or let's just focus on the mind it's all of this thing together we're really a system and um, now I want to say one more thing. So, you know how the subconscious mind is, it, it stores a lot of trauma, right? It's, and it's also not just in our brain. It's like all of these things. Um, it's actually also working to protect us, right? And that's one thing that I, I feel we have to... Um, we have to to say and make people understand because it's running all of these things as well, running all of our um, automatic um, responses. Right, yeah. Its primary role is to protect us and to help us survive. Mm -hmm. So this is why when we have a fetus is growing in the womb of their mother, they're already picking up on all the information they need. This is not, this is not, this is science. And yeah. so the brain into wire the limbs will grow a certain extent um the types of hormones around the around the baby being affecting the baby this all wires the brain wires the body to be a certain type and this is subconscious and so it's here to prepare us to live in the world so if it's a very stressful world the body will respond accordingly the subconscious and prepare the child for this kind of world it's fascinating to see some of the studies that you see from babies who have been um uh, in the womb of a mother for example in the 9-11 when 9 
9-11 happened, mm. how much higher the cortisol levels were mm. when they were born a year later compared to the same, um, uh, if you control for all the other factors, these babies still maintained a higher level of cortisol. Even though there was no more 9-11, even though it was safe, their, their whole body and system was prepared for a very stressful world. And so you can see that this is what's running their system, their programs, their being, and their experience and reality. So they're going to be approaching the world with much more anxiety, typically, much more feeling of um, nervousness. This is, mm. this is all subconscious, unconscious. Mm. Um, yeah. And so absolutely, it's here to help you survive. So your body is here to help you survive. Yeah. yeah. And your mind is yeah, and it's interesting that you said that, by the way, for anyone else that is listening, this actually also is explained through the studies of epigenetics, um, how our uh, environmental factors affect our genetic um, system. So, and now you mentioned about the 9-11, you know, now is what's going on with the COVID-19, and I actually know a lot of people who are pregnant or just about to give birth. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Do you think? Do you think it would be kind of like the same result or effect, like what happened um, during the nine eleven babies? You know, this is uh, it's really, we 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 won't know until um, the baby has been born and grows up. Yes. However, I would say that it always depends on the mother. It always goes back to the individual mother because some mothers are very. It's quite an experience to be pregnant, but some mothers are quite equipped to deal with this. And mm. so they will, the baby will respond very differently than some a mother who's been overwhelmed and shocked and then uh, maybe left alone and disconnected from the family. Uh, this so it's amplified. And I would say, yeah, this absolutely does affect the baby. And before anybody feels quite uncomfortable hearing this or maybe being triggered that they're not doing their best for their baby, this is this is just actually life too. You know, as much as you want to be the most balanced mother, must, as much as you want to be more present, it's still, yeah, you can only do so much. Your environment is also going to affect your baby and yourself. So please don't carry too much, you know, weight or feeling uh, too bad. But yeah. I would say, yeah, absolutely. When we work with pregnant women in the, in the healing center, our primary goal, number one, is to reduce any fear whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. uh, uh, feelings of safety. So no matter what environment they are in, of course, you may not yeah. be actually physically safe, but they feel internally safe because what that does to their body and into the baby, it affects them so profoundly. 100%, 100%. So what practical advice do you think you can give to some mothers who are, uh, you know, expecting? Yeah. Uh, whatever practices you already have that are helping you to calm your nervous system, this is definitely most important right now. I do believe that we become much more sensitive, and I think all pregnant women will agree with this, when, we're, uh, when we are pregnant. So to be very mindful who you're around, even, and I know this is quite um, direct, but even if it's a family member or someone that you find you, you want to be close to, but they're not a healthy person at this time to be around, they're not supporting you in the sense of um, maybe they're becoming very negative, very hmm. heavy, I would really recommend it's not the time right now, especially with all that's happening while being pregnant, to, uh, to be around these kinds of people. It's really, yeah. We have to be more uh, selective and much more um, clear you know, about who, what, what our environment is. Yeah. Really, I would urge and that there's no, no room for, for, for accommodation right now if yeah. you're pregnant. And this actually leads to quite a difficult question to 
address because I know some people are dealing with this, especially during this time that they're spending time in isolation or they're around certain people. Like for example, they cannot um, get out of, for example, and these people are affecting their their mental health, their you know their overall health. So, how do you think or they can? Um, still maintain their balance and still mm -hmm. feeling safe while at the same time that they know that they cannot get out of this, um, their house, for example. Yeah, this is something that touches me very deeply because it's um, to imagine all the people who have had the chance to leave their home, to go to school, to work, and to have that space to be in their, uh, to be themselves. This really touches me deeply because it's, it's, it, it really amplifies uh, all the, the pain and the trauma that may already be there and yeah. add to it. Um, yeah. If they're adults, this is the practical component, please have your own space. So when I work with couples in this place, there's one place that's only for you and one place only for the partner. And yes. that's, that place is theirs. So the practical component. Also, it helps to have still a schedule. Having a schedule and a routine helps the subconscious mind to keep busy and to exp um, expand the energy that may be, uh, may be um, accumulating because there's not so, many, so much activity. So <laughs> keeping a schedule, keeping a routine, this really helps the energy of the subconscious mind to be diffused quite a bit. And I, I know this is quite difficult because we get into a maybe more lazy environment, but to keep on doing the exercise because what this does to the body, to the subconscious mind, it helps to balance it so much. The meditations, if there are any, these kinds of things, maintaining healthy relationships, these are all the basis to start with. If those are already all controlled and regulated and we're going through it, whatever is left, I would say that is where we have something in the subconscious that could be addressed to release it, to alleviate the rest. This usually comes from a past trauma, a past wound that's been unresolved. So if you can control the, these practical elements and still you find some unusual amounts of energy or emotions coming up, abandonment, anger, mm. uh, maybe betrayal, these all these kinds of things, then I would say it's worthwhile to go and see where that comes from. It's likely not related to the current environment. Yeah, yeah. How do you think they can go into that safely by themselves? Oh, this is, if they have the capacity to do it, which we all can, um, and they're feeling like they're safe to do it, absolutely they can go into it. One of the best techniques that I have learned from my teacher um, is that you can sit, if you're very, if you're comfortable meditating, what you can do is just sit and close your eyes and allow yourself, your mind and your body to relax, making sure you're not interrupted, hopefully. If you need the music, please go ahead, blindfold if you need to, and find where you feel that uh, sensation the strongest so let's say I, as a client's feeling very angry and they keep on feeling this anger and and maybe even rage and resentment if they can take a time maybe let's just start with one minute calming their breaths breathing into themselves and recall the last time they felt that anger maybe they feel it in the chest in the throat in the kneecap wherever that feeling is the strongest breathe into it feel it automatically automatically the mind will come up with images, memories. It will not make sense in the very beginning. This is normal. It's just cleaning the surface. Stay there as long as you comfortably can. It will not be comfortable. This is the thing. It comes up and other images come up, ex-partners come up, stories you haven't even thought about come up. Stay there and breathe into it. 
Let it mm. come up and pass. If you can't, don't go too deep into the story. This helps yeah. to clean. And so if the anger is in the kneecap, breathe in there, let it open, let it get more intense, let it pass. So this is a, um, well, a kind of meditation if you feel strong enough. But if you're not feeling strong enough, it is so helpful to lean on somebody to do this with them. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. A therapist or someone who you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. And right now we have the technology to do it, yes. even if we are alone in our room, which is, which can be, um, for some people who have experienced trauma, can be familiar to them um, in a safe way, but also can be activating for them. Yes. So having just a person like, for, like me and you right now, that other yes. person on the other side of the line is so, so, so helpful. Thank yes, you so indeed. much for sharing that te technique, by the way. And that's actually very similar to uh, breathing and somatic technique that, that I do. And I feel like there's so much correlation in all of these different kinds of holistic healing modalities. Yeah. Actually, I do think we are all doing the same thing. I Maybe think so too. Bit, absolutely the same. The mind operates the same for all of us. The body operates the same for all of us. And so I think this is where we find the uniqueness in each therapist is that they mm. have been able to work their way um, with the mind and the body. But it's really essentially all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I have a question request from someone. Mm -hmm. And it's actually something that we just kind of talked about, about healing trauma and stuff. Um, it's about how can they heal their past recent abuse? Um, you know, after they're already doing the feeling, the emotion and different ways to release it and other holistic ways. Um, do you have any other advice on how they can heal their past recent abuse? Yes. So if the abuse has actually finished, and so we're talking about post the abuse, it's a different story than if it's still occurring right now. So I'm going to be talking more about some abuse that has finished, maybe in a relationship, and they're now in a different space and place. At this point, if they have done the medit or feeling it, opening it up, it's really important, the first component, to make sure you release the emotions, whatever they are. So what helps for this is yeah. if you can set aside some time and you can see the person in front of you. Let's say I'm feeling anger and because of the abuse and I'm feeling then resentment and I'm also feeling um, despair. Go through all of them and release this by breathing out like we just did mm -hmm. and um, speaking it out. In fact, talking to this person in front of them if they want to do it alone. After this, and it's really important, this is a component that I found is pivotal for my clients when they want to overcome trauma. We have to make sure all the emotional um, and the feelings that are trapped in that trauma in the memory are fully released. Mm -hmm. So we keep on cleaning it, keep on cleaning it, keep on cleaning it so this person can keep on cleaning all these, whatever else comes up, go back in. You'll find anger come up, go to sadness, then anger comes back up, keep on going. Clear out this memory out of all the feelings and emotions. Once that's done, when you can truly feel neutral, not wanting to feel neutral and so you lie to yourself, no, I'm good now. No, really when you're neutral, you can look at this person and feel a neutrality or a sense of compassion, only then, only then, I would suggest looking at 
what would you do differently now that you have released all your emotions? What would you like to say? What would you have done differently? And this is where we are, what we can call rescripting or rewiring. Mm -hmm. So now that the emotional component is gone, we are literally changing the story. So, but it's really important you wait until all the emotions and you release those, release those, release those. Only then can you look and have a dialogue in a different way. That is when actually true forgiveness does take place. We tend to think, okay, I forgive you, all good. But the memory is still stored in the subconscious, exactly. unconscious. And we carry that to the next relationship, to their children, to our dogs, to our employees, you know, to our parents. The true forgiveness happens when you see this person with neutrality. Yeah. And that's only then. So if you can rewire the story at that point, you know, I realized this is what I would have done differently. I could have done that differently. And ultimately you can say, it's okay, I forgive you. And I forgive myself for not knowing. Yeah. And the key here is being patient with yourself because a lot of times when we're releasing and releasing to like, Oh my gosh, I cannot stop crying. The negative thoughts is coming back up again. It's because there's still more work to be done. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, this is what makes it so different um, between, I guess you could say convention, conventional medicine, you know, taking antidepressant and stuff and more holistic path is that, it takes time and healing takes time in general <laughs> about now. Oftentimes we just want a pill to make it all go away. Right. And the truth is that it's, it doesn't work like that. We have to be patient, right? It takes so much time to just like release it, release it. So really my recommendation for anyone that is listening and to the person who has asked this question is, be patient with yourself, um, go through that releasing work and know that, you know, as what we said at the very beginning, healing is a journey, right? And it's non-linear. And, but know that, know that you can heal. Anyone, anyone can heal. It's not because you are broken or that you will never heal. Just that maybe it will take a little bit more time, but be patient. Mm -hmm. So the mind and the body are meant to heal. They are mm -hmm. meant to heal. So uh, this is absolutely possible. Uh, it's actually interesting because if you do know how to work, let's say the, the abuse happened just recently, it's very easy to heal. So mm. typically, uh, I don't know how it works for, for, for you, but typically if someone comes in with a recent abuse, the clearing and the cleaning can usually take place quite well, significantly reduced in the session because the mind wants to release the mind and the body want to release. So we give it the time and space to release. And this doesn't need to take too long. However, if we're dealing with something that happened many decades ago and or something called like complex PTSD, mm -hmm. this will definitely take time in the overall picture. Yeah. So this is where people don't really realize, I want to come in to stop smoking. But what we're looking at is a, C a complex PTSD uh, a client who's trying to overcome a deep trauma. And so smoking yeah. is really not the problem here. We're talking about a different thing. That will take a, a longer time. Yeah. So smoking yeah. in that context will take longer. But typically the mind and the body want to heal. And so you will find that you will be able to move through it. And it's absolutely worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100%. And um, it's funny that you mentioned smoking because I had that 
in my mind, you know, the, the one question that people always ask is like when they yes. find out that you do hypnotherapy, they're like, oh, so can you help me with my smoking <laughs> habit, yes. smoking addiction? Technically, we're not addicted to smoking itself. It's just the habit, right, of, of smoking. And um, as you said, perhaps there is a trauma behind it that made us um, use this smoking as a coping strategy. Um, yeah. Would you like to speak a little bit more about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it because uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy is so commonly associated with smoking. And mm -hmm. so the way I perceive smoking is maybe um, a little bit differently because in my work, I'm looking for the root cause. Why mm -hmm. do we have this behavior, this habit, this what we're calling an addiction or this tendency? Why? Where is it coming from? Um, I find that it's faster to be able to help the client overcome it so that they don't fall back into the same uh, pattern later on. If I just tell your subconscious the right programs, you're not a smoker anymore, you're not a smoker anymore, this is quite, it's very helpful actually. But what we find is that the client will, in time, develop another addiction, mm -hmm. another way to release the steam that's coming up in the subconscious. So they stop smoking, but they'll start to overeat or they start to overwork, overshop. The energy that is causing the smoking, whatever that may be, is now being diffused another way. So let's look at what is causing this energy. So if there's an event that happened when you were five, let's go address it so that you don't have to transfer your smoking to some other habit. Um, this is what I'm looking at. And essentially, actually smoking, what you are doing is releasing the energy through your breath. And as we know, the breath is extremely powerful. And so this act of yeah. breathing deeply, <laughs> that's all it is with smoking. So what is it that you're trying to release? This excess energy coming up that their conscious mind's pushing down, when we look at it like that, we find that the results are much faster and more holistic. So it's not just about smoking at this point. We're talking about the overall being, the client themselves, their life story. So when they walk away, they're also feeling lighter, more in harmony. Now, saying this, generally, this is how it goes with clients. Sometimes clients come in, I want to stop smoking, and we uncover a very deep trauma. Then we have to do deeper work. So they can be a little bit overwhelmed and shocked by this, which is why when they come in for smoking, I ask a lot of questions because it's a bit like a Pandora's box. Yeah, it's a bit like a Pandora's box. You don't know we're smoking, especially. So if you're looking at stopping to smoke, consider how much are you smoking? If you're smoking as soon as you wake up, um, which is quite common, at lunchtime, during breaks, and going to bed, Generally, I would say there's a lot to look at, more than just the habit of smoking to maybe release a bit of social anxiety. If you're just a smoker who goes out for drinks and smokes, at this point, that's much easier. If you're smoking a lot, when you wake up, lunchtime and all of this, then we're looking at a bit of a different root cause. And it's okay. If you want to look into it, you can do it. If you don't, that's mm -hmm. okay. But mm -hmm. just so you're aware, um, if you're doing deeper hypnotherapy, you're going to be opening up those elements too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you tend to see that pattern then? Like, yes. for example, someone who smokes, um, a social smoker and yes. someone who smokes like in the morning, lunch, breakfast. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So that's one of the, uh, the finding uh, questions I have to understand what kind of, uh, what kind of subconscious we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about if someone is just like, well, I'm, I'm ready to stop smoking, but I'm um, not ready to work through my trauma. <laughs> you know, very honestly, I will say then it's not going to be the best work 
uh, for you to come and work with me. Mm. I cannot provide you what you're looking for. At this point, I'm happy to refer them to another hypnotherapist who does only the um, positive suggestions and is quite successful. But typically, they will find they'll start smoking again or they'll yeah. develop another habit. For sure. Yeah, this, this is what I see most commonly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I would like to still talk a little bit about, um, let's talk a little bit about how patterns of um, self-sabotage, you know, procrastination, low self-worth, and negative talk can end up in the subconscious mind. Um, I know that from my side that all of these things are usually at the core of it. It's because they were lacking a sense of safety, perhaps in the past. And so maybe some kind of trauma. Um, again, trauma doesn't have to be big. And that's why this, these patterns um, occur. Now, do you have any other um, ideas of why they could come up and end up in the subconscious mind? Mm -hmm. um, yes, I totally agree with you, actually. I would say that it's all because of imprints. If the imprint that gets first imprinted, and when I mean imprint, what I consider an imprint is the same a bit like a belief, and it's a joined force between a thought and an emotion. So mm -hmm. together, it creates an imprint. And in this imprint, it continues to run our subconscious. So as we know, uh, at least maybe you and I, um, and the, the, the child from in the womb all the way till about seven to eight years old, they will be in the hypnosis state. So they're really mm -hmm. downloading all kinds of programs or imprints. And in these moments, since we're only emotional beings as, as children, we are uh, trapping those thoughts and deducing our environment, what we feel about it, how we should be about it with our emotion. So when these imprints get locked into our subconscious, they will run our behavior. And this is where patterns come in. So for yeah. example, a uh, client comes in and says, you know, I keep on choosing uh, narcissistic women. I cannot mm. seem to get away from having toxic women. So first mm. we have to define what is he seeing as toxic and narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And now he's at the point we can actually see this woman is not going to be good for me. It's back in my pattern, but I cannot say no. Yeah. So here's an example for that. At this point, what we will generally find is we go back to early childhood, the imprint in relationship to the caregiver. And mm -hmm. so usually there's a lot of fear, a lot of abandonment. And uh, so this is all the things we have to look at at that point in the root cause. So the imprint is key. Changing the imprint is going to be pivotal if you want to overcome the negative pattern or the tendencies you, you're, you're looking at, and it still comes back to the emotions that are trapped in there. Once you release the emotion, the adult conscious mind can decide, decide, I want to go for this woman or I don't want to go for this woman. But as long as that emotion is stuck in the imprint, it will drive you to it. It becomes an unconscious fuel. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's there's so many um questions. I mean so many people who actually have this question. So it's I'm so glad mm -hmm. that you explained that more. And this actually also um being explained through attachment styles, right? We have yeah. these certain attachment styles. Of course we can change um all of us can have all of these different attachment styles and we can change I mean, this is going to be another talk that I'm not going to get into because it can be a long talk if we talk about the attachment style right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so, you're right. It can change. It can definitely change. Yeah. Attachment style will change. 
and yeah. it's so freeing. Yeah, and d- yeah, depending on where you are uh, on your journey, you know, if you're again, if you're working um, with yourself, like working through your trauma, for example, you can definitely move into that secure attachment style. Yes, yes. indeed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, there is one last question. Um, yes, so what can we do to protect our subconscious mind? Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love this. So um, we, th- there are general practices we should uh, engage in so that we can lighten the subconscious. That's really one of the first things I would say. As long as we can lighten the subconscious, unload it from all the weight from the past, we will be protecting our subconscious. It will reach a threshold when we cannot uh, carry it anymore. And at that point, you're very vulnerable. So that's one thing if you're already an adult, to do the work you can to uh, release the past as much as possible, the weight, the heaviness, the traumas, the emotions, this will help to protect the subconscious. Now, if you cannot do that, or you don't have the capacity to do that, or you've already done that, these kinds of practices that involve uh, like meditation, meditation, tapping into the subconscious, feeling it. What am I feeling right now? How am I feeling right now? This bond, when you create this bond with your subconscious, you become very much in tune with it. So you no longer disregard it, you no longer disconnect from it. You are essentially protecting your subconscious. This also means being aware of these sensations in my body. What is going on in my body? This, this strange sensation here, what does that mean? This is a protection in itself because you're not um, ignoring it. And that's literally a sign. So you're listening to it. Um, there are other ways you can protect your subconscious. This is very, I I find it very important, but I know it's hard to do it every day. And I know we can all fail. Being very selective (laughs) what your environment is. Hmm. For example, if you're going to watch the news, the subconscious will learn through habituation. So if you're watching the same ad and you're watching the same kind of news and you're watching the same kind of series, you are not protecting your subconscious. You cannot control what goes into your subconscious all the time. As soon as you're stressed, you're sick, you're hungry, emotional, perhaps you're having a hard day, automatically your subconscious is more exposed. And at this point, what's around you, what the messages are, will go into your subconscious uh, much, much more easily than if you're in a strong state, feeling well, not hungry, hormones are balanced. So you're not very protected at that point. So being very selective, who's around you, what's happening around you. And I don't mean this in a very arrogant way. I just mean being mindful. Yeah. If you're not feeling 100%. your best that day, perhaps don't watch this, this channel. Perhaps mm-hmm. be careful who you're going to be around because the messages you get do affect your subconscious. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 so this is, uh, your environment is key. Yeah. And I, I guess also the question, you know, when you were saying about um, like watching the same ad or same news every day or mm-hmm. same show every day, now then, I guess the question would be, what habit will you make, right? Asking to everyone that's listening, what habit will you make? And also, um, breaking out of that little habit, maybe trying something different every day to challenge no, the subconscious yes, right. mind. Yeah. <laughs> you're right because we know it loves habits so it does the same thing over and over and over and over so sometimes mm-hmm. completely using your conscious willpower being like no we're not going to do it this way again we're going to do it go this way to work you know exactly or perhaps not do the same thing this is really you're right that's a fantastic way to protect yourself to actually be on top of your subconscious yeah so it doesn't run 
yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. exactly and it could be a little thing like that like what you just said um about going to work in another way another path or also if you're used to sleeping on the left side of the bed go on the right side of the bed <laughs> you know working yes. challenging your your mind it's it's a yes. beautiful thing <laughs> Indeed. you can also protect the subconscious by being aware of how you're speaking these mm. are little cues you get and that they're so automatic that mm. we don't realize of course at some point we may um but being aware of how you're speaking and changing the way you speak the words you're choosing yes. this also protects subconscious because you're also connecting with it yes yes i'm so glad that you brought this up and um because a lot of people have this pattern of yes but you know for example i'm telling you uh I know Kartika, I know you can do it. You're a beautiful and smart woman and you it's going to be so hard for you to receive. And you're just like, yes, but you see, uh, I made a mistake on that. And so many people have this um, pattern. And actually this pattern was probably um, helping them to survive, you know, in the past because of trauma right. again. Again, we're always right. coming back to trauma. And so, um, so let's how what other suggestions can you give to people to reframe their words mm -hmm. well we have to be so aware and mindful of how we're doing what we're doing that's mm. really key you can't do it yourself someone you trust can do that with you call you out on these components you know and so you have an agreement hey this is what you're doing whenever this happens so ah i see so the cue i see that in my process if i do this 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 is what happens someone can call me out then you have awareness you're you're in touch with your subconscious at that point so if we can be really mindful and this is can be hard when you are literally in the trauma itself it can be very hard mm -hmm. but if you can be mindful of all of that oh wow you're really going to be changing your life um you know you said something about trauma and it's quite people tend to think trauma be significant abuse or like a, a, a physical yeah. abuse maybe a rape or a robbery mm -hmm. but even the lack of love the lack of emotional exactly. intimacy this in my book at least when i work with clients is considered a trauma and so yeah. maybe not the right amount of attention that is typically we can say is very fair and necessary for a child yeah. to develop I consider that trauma. There's a lot of debate about calling it a wound or a trauma. In my book, we're going to just make it simple. I call it a trauma because it's still yeah. something that a part of them is not fulfilled. A part of them is suffering. Exactly. And I, I, I don't get too interested in labeling it as a wound or trauma. It's mm -hmm. just a part of them not feeling harm in harmony and not feeling fulfilled. And that's what I would say is trauma. At any yeah. point in time, something has happened and you didn't get to process it, that would be considered a trauma. Yeah, anything also that questions your worth. Um, if yeah. someone just, if say, say you're about to say something and someone, you know, diminishes you or just like your voice is not being heard, perhaps that can definitely impact you. And as you said, unprocessed emotions. I would yeah. say that. Hmm. Yeah, this is why. So people don't, uh, people, um, we all have it. And hopefully people don't find that trauma means so such bad things you know sometimes it's the most banal moments mm. in life you really mark them yeah. i mean maybe you get this too but a lot of clients say i can't believe that's what affected me all these years you know <laughs> that little thing <laughs> yes yeah you know it's interesting because it could be that it could be the way that the mind brings up the memory of the feeling but mm. um the um, it's key to see that it's it actually doesn't matter where it comes from the key point is that we get that part of them back in 
into harmony. Shame, guilt, these feelings all block that. So we want to release it. It's yeah. no problem feeling it, but to release it is key, to let it pass. And trauma yeah. is where we have to disconnect. Yeah. And it's normal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there's that discord, disconnect. You're right. Um, that, um, how do you say, like, lack of flow, right? Lack of flow in, if we're talking about energies, basically that when there is a, a block and yeah. um, the flow obviously is not flowing. <laughs> I cannot pick another vocabulary right now, but yeah. 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 If we had the whole being, then we would be able to flow completely and totally. And if that part's not there, cannot flow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so just to go back about reframing um, negative, negative words. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What would you, what would you suggest them um, saying okay. to themselves? Like, for example, they say, yeah, but I know, I know, I know, you know, like all these, yes, but I never will be able to do that <laughs> so this is uh it's i love this um <laughs> when i the first thing is radical honesty so if you really want to be honest so when you're saying what you're saying be honest about what you're saying that rephrasing allows you to be accountable and so forth so what i mean by this is oh um i can't meet you today for tea at 4 mm -hmm. p.m it may be that you cannot or it may very well be because I don't want to meet you for tea. And this is where, of course, we can't always be so honest. And, but being very aware, is it can't or I won't or I don't want to? Here you can really rephrase. And of course, you can select how you want to say it. But be honest with what you are feeling, first of all. Um, or, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym. Um, or I don't feel like going to the gym. I feel... I don't feel like I want to go to the gym. Oh, but I really should. Instead, you can, or you can say something more such as I am, or I'm going to be in the more commanding sense. That's right. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that I'm more commanding. I'm going to go to the gym. At this point, you're using your willpower to direct your subconscious energy, which you have the desire to go to the gym. You may have more mm -hmm. laziness, but using your commanding willpower, you can direct your subconscious energy to show up. If you give your subconscious a date and time, your energy will change. So if you don't give yourself a date and time from the conscious mind, your subconscious energy can go left, right, can be a little bit more messy. So mm -hmm. giving yourself self-talk wise, this is the date, this is the time, not too many of these because then it gets overwhelming, but you know, this is the time and this is the date and the more commanding sense, you are uh, organizing your subconscious energy. So this kind of self-talk is key. It comes to a point though, where the self-talk is from trauma in the past mm -hmm. so no matter how much um you want to work on yourself on a cognitive yeah. level yeah. you will need to go back because self negative self-talk comes from emotional uh, ex excess negative emotions exactly. and this excess negative emotions you will find at least i find uh, when the clients release this from some points in the past they will report un uh, unexpectedly they'll say oh my god my mind is so clear or i don't have so much chatter this mm -hmm. is coming from emotions so if you really want to do deeper work, it's very easy to go in, clean out the emotions. You will find you have less chatter. The chatter yeah. is your coping mechanism to not face the feeling or trying exactly. to organize your feet. Exactly. So then we go back into the releasing, like what we talked about. The release, yes. release, release, release until yes. you feel ready, but like honestly ready to yes. begin the rewiring. 
process. Yeah. 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 That's where you have change, really deep yeah. change. Exactly. And it's so beautiful. So beautiful. I mean, I, I think we both have seen that happening within ourselves and also the people that we've worked with. It's, yeah. Yes. Just so beautiful. All right, then. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been such a nourishing conversation. Honestly, um, even for me, like I love having this kind of conversation and to be doing it with you, honestly, is an honor for me. So thank you for coming. <laughs> and um, before we finish though, what last piece of advice can you give to the resilient listeners oh that's cool. um, <laughs> this is still my favorite uh quote um to go with whoever you think you should be or let me say this in the most uh, it's a translation so i would like to say um let go of who you think you are so that you can become who you can be mm. let go of who you think you are so you can become who you can be yeah so let go of whoever you are who you think you are rather yeah yeah and then yeah. you can really evolve and grow and this also is resilience in the end yeah, yeah. when you tap into your power when you tap into your being exactly. when you tap into yourself it's yeah. really it's this is where we're talking about very powerful individuals yeah. being able to walk the earth yes and about that surrendering surrendering yeah. right just like letting go of all the labels and attachments. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Preach <conscious>. it. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, if that's one thing I would share, it would be that. Okay, thank you so much. So um, then where can people find you? Ah, uh, on my website at hhypnosis.com hhhypnosis.com so holistic healing hypnosis um but we just take out the first two words and put hh hh hypnosis okay so two h's, h's. yes <laughs> two h's. <laughs> yeah holistic healing hypnosis.com all right amazing and do you have a, a social media account or something where people can yes. follow you yes i only have instagram and uh I am also reachable there now, which is wonderful. And it's at kartika.online, kartika.online. Um, yes, yeah. and I will put all of this information at the bottom, at the description oh, as well. Thank you. Yay, amazing. So that is all for this episode. And I'm super excited to be sharing this talk, honestly, to everyone that's listening and yes thank you I hope you have had some amazing takeaway from this episode and thank you so much for listening to the resilient chat with Nat be sure to subscribe to listen to more uplifting conversations and teachings and take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at na T-H-A-S-Y-A-O-M. So I know that you're listening, learning, and growing. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be found by people who are like you, who are on their healing journey or personal growth journey. 
other than that please be sure to tune in for the next episode and i'll talk to you next time i can't wait to share more with you i am sending you love